Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Church, as we, um, as we come around to that word of Amen, what we're actually saying is we are in agreement. We're in agreement that God is with us. And when we see those words, you know, we often sing songs, but sometimes we need to digest songs. You know what I mean? And if the, Vicky, if you could just go back to that one where it says, and your children and their children. And like me and Ainsley, we're about to become grandparents for the first time. I know we've got multiple grandparents over here, and probably great grandkids as well. Come on, Jen. Stay away. Um, but um, and I like that because we've raised our children in the house and love the house. Come on. And we're looking forward to the next generation to come and love the house. But it comes from us being in agreement with the words that God has spoken words that Christ has spoken, and it's our children and their children, and his favour be upon you for a thousand generations to your family. Keep going, Vicky, thanks. Uh, keep going, next one, I want to get to this one, where it says, he's your presence, he's beside you, he's behind you, keep going, he's all around you, he is with you, next. In the morning and the evening, and you're coming and you're going, but more importantly, and you're weeping and you're rejoicing. He never said that we're going to have an easy life. He never said there wasn't going to be storms that come. But what he did say is, I am with you in all your circumstances. Regardless of how black it is, regardless how white it is, how good it is or how bad it is, he is with us. And it's that faith that we need to have in 2022. As we look at the crazy world that we live in, which is really crazy, and it's getting crazier, that the church and us as individuals need to be that light on a hill, that voice of reason, that voice of hope, that voice of grace, that voice of love. Because he says, he is with you. The question today is, are we with him? That's the eternal question. Is our life with him? Or is it that we want him to be with us, but we're not actually with him? So we'll sing that again, but I just want you to meditate on those words as we sing. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Church, how is your 2022 going? Eh? <laughs> what a crazy life we lead, eh? Who would want to be dead, eh? <laughs> Live the journey. Take a seat, guys. Um, it's usually by the, uh, the 22nd of January that all these resolutions are almost done and dusted. Okay? Um, who's still doing one? Can I be honest? Okay. Most of them are done. But um, I think it was funny, uh, as um, Christian was talking about uh, Joshua. Joshua's one of my favourite um, guys in the uh, Old Testament. He was walking around the children of, uh, sorry, the city of Jericho. I always try to put myself in their shoes. Because, you know, we read it, they walked around for seven days. On the seventh day, they walked around seven times. On the first six days, they only walked around once. But you just can imagine what it was like. Can't say a word. We're all going to get up in the morning. We're going to walk around Jericho. First day, they would have gone, well, okay, yeah, let's see how it happens. Next day, this is pretty foolish. Can you imagine the Jericho people screaming out, you bunch of idiots. Look at you, you know, and the comments that would have been coming out. By the time we get to seven days, it would have been like a free-for-all from Jericho, and Israel had to keep their mouth quiet. But when they spoke, they spoke with one voice. And that one voice was to declare the the grace and the will of God and saw great victory. And I think that wasn't part of my message, but it's one of the things I always think about is we have our own Jericho. We have the issue in our life, and every one of us has a different one. I, I'm not going to pretend to, to know what you're going through, but I'd say each one of us is going through our own, you know, seeing our own Jericho, a situation of it. And today's message is called location, 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 because we've got to know, you know, in real estate. Could you imagine trying to sell, try to sell your house in Sunshine Coast today, and it's, it's gone before it even hits the internet? You know what I mean? They're selling that fast and, and for huge prices because it's all about location, location, and location. But our walk as Christians are very similar. You know, um, do we know what our location is? And that's what I really want to talk about today is are we located? And if we're not located in the right place, how do we get to the right place yeah. to be located? Because sometimes we can get, you know, like... Um, in the military, we have a thing called magnetic north and real north, or true north. Maps are made to true north, but compasses are made to magnetic north, because, you know, that's how it works, the magnetic poles. And so what you have to do is you have to look on each map, and you've got to look at what is the, 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 the deviation. So when you want to go, um, say, at 280 degrees, it might have a two-degree uh, default because magnetic north is actually two degrees off from true north on that location you're at. So what you've got to do then is you've got to, every calculation you've got to either add or subtract um, two degrees because if you don't you're not going to make the place you want to be at. So what we've got to understand is in our life that we could be following our compass but we may not be reading the map and therefore our location may be just slightly off. And 2022 could be the year that we make sure that we're heading true north. That our true north is where God is and where Christ has destined us to be. Um, I would like in, um, I don't know, most of you, yeah, some of us would remember 1983, the um, Christian, wouldn't you? Wouldn't remember 1983? I remember it well. How old were you? 
the America's Cup. Yeah. You remember that? Who sat there and watched the match? You know, no one ever actually took any notice of the America's Cup until Australia won it. <laughs> but I remember we were three-one down. America, Americans have won it every year. It's been going for centuries, and we were three-one down and won it four-three. And I can tell you, you're alive in 2023. Uh, uh, sorry, 1983. Uh, you were well and truly know where you were when America lost the America's Cup. Abraham Lincoln was considered one of the great presidents of American history. He led the country to the greatest moral and military uh, through greatest moral and military crisis, and essentially saved this uh, country from its destruction and dire directed it towards restoration. But we don't, what we don't realise is he came from very meagre circumstances. He'd lost the run for Congress. He'd lost twice to become a senator. He even lost to be a, pro, uh, to be a vice president. He was elected as the 16th president of the United States, led the country to um, reconciliation and won a re-election. His leadership, his political skills <coughs> and his outstanding speeches were amazing for his comeback. And today we can look at ourselves as this is the year to make sure that we know our location or come back from where we are to where we need to be. Winston Churchill, one of my favourite favourite um, uh, dudes of, of history, what we don't realise is that he was the architect of the disaster at Gallipoli. And after that, he left politics. What most people don't realise is that he went to France as a lieutenant colonel in the military and fought in the trenches uh, in France during World War One. After the war, he started looking at um, how he could help veterans uh, get jobs, get, get benefits, get their medication and their medical stuff done. Eventually, he was re-elected to politics. He was the sole voice against Hitler. And when the country needed someone to defeat Hitler, he was the only man to choose. He knew where he was. More importantly, he knew who he was. He knew what was needed to be done and he knew the gap in the middle. And that's what we need to look at uh, in 2022 is what is our gap? What is the thing that we need to look at and work towards achieving? Now, if you talk about, you know, a lot of people say I'm not religious, and I often say there's two questions you have to answer, and that determines your religion. How did humanity get here, and why is humanity here? How you answer those two questions will define what you believe. So if you believe in evolution, obviously, you believe we came from nothing, you know, a bunch of nothing, 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 nothing made something. Mm -hmm. But really, we have no purpose to be here. So life really means nothing. Or if you believe in what we believe in, is that God created the heavens and the earth yeah. and has a destined purpose, that each one of us is made in the image of God yeah. and that we have a defined destiny. Yeah. We see in um, Genesis 3, verse 9, the first question God asks man, the Lord said unto man, uh, called to the man and said to him, where are you? Yeah. I think that's a better question. Where are you? Adam, Adam had taken off because he'd eaten from the tree and had, um, you know, had um, learned, learned what it meant to have shame. And God's going, where are you, Adam? Because I don't sense you're with me anymore. I sense that you're somewhere else. And so that's, the first locator is, where are you? The second question he asked was, when he said this to Cain, who killed Abel, he said, where is your brother Abel? 
And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God's answer was, yes, you are your brother's keeper. So that gives us now purpose. Our purpose is to be our brother's keeper. Right. So our location is an allocation seeking device. Yeah. You know, we, I, um, we now, you know, GPS, we all, we all live with it now, don't we? Yeah. You know, who, whoever looks at a, a Rapidex or a map anymore? <laughs> you know, you just Google it. Yeah. Google it. And it's even that great, like I do it for the cops all the time, is um, I do the one that's a satellite so you can actually see what the house looks like. And, and, and you can zoom in on the house so you can see where the where they may run away to or whatever. Usually when we knock on the door, they all want to go out the back door. <laughs> so we usually go around the back door as well, so we chuck them in. But it's great. Google Maps is great, isn't it? Because it can find your exact location and tell you exactly. It's your global positioning system. But God has one. It's called the God positioning system. Okay, so where are you in relation to where you need to be? So location, location, location is really what is your position, current position, do you know your purpose and are you prepared to do the preparation to get to your destiny? So we see in Matthew 5, and I don't know if you guys do Bible in the Year. Christian's getting some books actually um, sent over from Awaken Church, which is read a Bible in the Year. I actually have done it about five years now. I get this one um, called Bible in One Year by um, Nikki Grumble, who does Alpha Course. One reason I like that is because I like to listen and read at the same time because I'm just actually dyslexic, so it actually helps me. <laughs> but um, uh, And it takes about 22 minutes, 23 minutes a day. It's not a big ask, but I'll tell you what, when I read and I hear yeah. the Word of God, right? what happens is I hear the stories of the great successes of the men and women of faith. I also hear of the failures of people, yeah. which become signposts for us to what not to do, or what to do if you want to have success. And this is where the Word of God comes alive in, in for us. So what we read here is, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltness, the saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except it be thrown and trampled underfoot. I love this scripture because he says we need to be the salt of the earth. The thing about salt is, <coughs> you don't have any salt, it's foul. You have too much salt, it's foul. You just need to be seasoned with salt. And that's what our Christian faith is about. We are to be seasoned with salt. And everyone we encounter is that we are seasoned. We're not no salt or all salt. We're seasoned with salt so that they can taste and see Christ in us. Very good. Right. We, see, um, we see here that you are the light of the earth. A city on a hill that cannot be hid. Um, you know, I've been staying in Brisbane for the last few, a uh, couple of, well, probably the last seven weeks, and uh, on the top of our building is this red light. It's for so that obviously planes don't crash in, or because you know they don't. Planes and buildings don't go to. You know, September 11 is an example of how that works. But the idea is that that light is on the hill. So everybody can see it from 360 degrees. The church right now, if there was a time in, in the modern era that the church was needed to be a light on a hill, it's today. Yeah. Because there's so many voices out there. Um, I, I, I love what um, was put on the C3 Noosa page, which transformation is a gift 
that can only be received by stepping away from the noise of the world, quieting our soul to hear the voice of God. I encourage you to, to if you're not into the Facebook, get on the Facebook just purely and simply for the C3 community page. The thing I love about, you know, like Christian and Melissa, whatever they put up all the time is always reflecting people to Christ. It's not the noise of the world. It's the, it's the love and peace of God. So we need to be that. So the answer is, the question is, sorry, how do I achieve that in 2022? Is there, instead of reading the whole Bible, I'll give you a couple of verses and you'll be able to smash it out. Okay, because Christ gives, always gives nice, clear directions. You know what I mean? So the Sermon on the Mount, you should read it. And, and one of the advice I got when I first became a pastor was from um, was Pastor Chaz, actually. He said, this month, so in January, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, and repeat and repeat. Right? And he says, with one focus, that as you read it, you look at the behavior and the image of Christ. Focus on the way he spoke, focus on the way he expressed himself, the way he chastised people, the way he corrected people. And you will then see the change in your own life. So there's a challenge. If you want to know really who Christ was, you need to read those four books over and over again with the mindset of understanding how Christ dealt with people. So one of the one, the, the easiest way is is the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes to me are eight steps to full faith. Okay, and we're all on different journeys. You know, it's like now, and this is where grace of God and the mercy of God is to meet you where you're at but not leave you there but to see your transformation. So each one of us is going to be in a different location, a different spot, but we're on the same journey that we need to make to get to the true destiny that Christ has called us to. So the first one is, blessed is the poor in spirit. Sounds pretty lousy, doesn't it? Poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. But these are the people who realise that they need to be humble. And this was one of the first things, you know, I grew up in a, I've been a Christian all my life, but I would say that uh, I didn't really understand the love of Jesus until um, 2005. You know, I was spirit built in 1973, okay? I was baptised in 1973. But it wasn't until 2005 that I actually really knew what the love of God was. I would say I was pretty much a judgmental, arrogant, Black and white, that's one Colin was supporter, but black and white Christian who only saw things from that focus. That was my lens. That's how I perceived things, was that that God was the judge and he would judge harshly. So therefore, I was, and I, I repented. It took me a long time, I reckon. Once I realised what the love of God was really about, when I called out on him for him one day, when AZ said, I'm walking out on you, Right? When I called out on him, he showed me amazing love, stuff that I had not done before. And I realised, one, I was not a humble person. Probably still Achilles' heel for me, Mm -hmm. right? Because I do have opinions. (laughs) And if you stay with me long enough, you'll know what those opinions are. But uh, but the point I'm trying to say is humility is one of the hardest things for us to to embrace. So for us, that means it's not that we have to be in poverty. It's not meaning that we're poor. It's not that we're going to beat ourselves up. It's just that accept that we are nothing without God. Very good. That we are nothing without Christ. 
that we are merely just oxygen thieves on this planet going around. The sun. But without God, we are nothing. But with him, we are everything. That we are an instrument of his good will. That we are an instrument of Jesus' plan for all of us. But we are humbly dependent on God. And I tell you what, this, we, we're facing so many storms right now. Interesting, you know, the thing about storms is if you're reading the Bible in one year, you would have covered it in Matthew this week. Oh, sorry, last week. It's when Jesus was in the storm in Galilee, the disciples got up and got scared and woke him up because he's fast asleep. The question is, why did they wake him up when there's always storms on the Sea of Galilee? It's because they believed that with Christ they were going to live peacefully and comfortably. That these things should not happen because he is the Son of God. However, he was trying to show them that life is full of storms. But I am with you. That we are humbly dependent on him. It's the first step to understanding your location and where you are understanding what location you need to be at. The next one is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. These are the people who seek holiness, not happiness. These are people who want internal joy, not external fulfilment. Because what happens is you can have something going on in your life, a storm in your life, but you can still have the joy that surpasses all understanding out. The peace that surpasses everything. Because you know that you're humbly dependent on God. And as a result of that, the storm is just a storm. And God is with you. And that through this, you seek happiness. You're not looking for the shallow anymore. You're looking for, uh, you've got a sorrow for the things that you've done. And like my life, I was, you know, every now and then I get a reflective moment. You think, what was I thinking? Where did that come from? You know, I have to repent to my wife many times. I had to repent to my kids, my my, my behaviour, because I realised that my behaviour was not appropriate anymore. Because we get to a point where we seek that holiness, because we mourn for those things that do cause harm. I try to live a life now which is do no harm. Try not to be the, the reason that somebody does not want to see Christ who doesn't want to come to church, who doesn't want to... I'll do anything regardless of that. I didn't start drinking until I was 50. Because I grew up in a church that didn't allow it. I left that church at 39. But didn't drink for 11 years, even though it was a liberty that I could enjoy, that I could have. I chose not to do it because I wanted my kids to all get to 18. And my cousins, sorry, my nephews and my nieces to all reach the age of 18 because I never wanted my influence of my decision-making to be on that. That was my motive for not, once the last one hit 18, that was it, free for all. No, I didn't do that. But the point I'm trying to make is we can have liberties, but we can, we can exploit those liberties to harm others. This is not what we do when we are, uh, we, uh, we blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The next one we see is blessed are those, uh, sorry, the next one is, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. These are not people that get slapped around. These are not the people that get like doormats. These are people who see the big picture. One, they're teachable. They're not arrogant, they're teachable. They want to learn, they want to understand. They want to know how to be more Christ-like and endeavour to seek him. They People that can be moulded. They, um, 
They consider it. They have self-control. They consider others over themselves. Um, Paul says, you know, if a man, if a man is only wants to eat vegetables, then don't eat meat in front of him. Because you don't want to offend a brother just because you take your liberty of eating meat. But if he's strong on his feelings for eating veg vegetables only, then eat vegetables. Forgo the liberty that you have to, for the sake of a brother. And I think that's a good lesson for us to learn. We see, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Hunger for the will of God. And I find, when I, like, when I, when you read the Bible, and I, I, I do the Bible in one year, but I also do my own devotions and my own, my own um, readings. And I'm a history buff, so I really love reading uh, the Bible because it's all about history. Um, but we need to hunger for what is the will of God. Yeah. Some of us sit down, and, and I, I know that in the past I've been frozen. I haven't got a word. I haven't got a word. The word is just be the light to this darkness. That is simply the purpose that we have, is to be the light that reflects the light of Christ. We are a reflector. And through our actions and our behaviour, people will know that Christ lives. And that's what we have this um, hunger for thirst, hunger and thirst for Christ's righteousness, is that we want to be in his will. The interesting thing about the first four Beatitudes is that they're all about us. It's about how we internalize our, our, our lives. So we have to be humble. We have to be teachable. We have to be seeking holiness and hunger for the will of God. That is the, our internal part. But when we then, once we've achieved, well, it doesn't actually ever achieve it, but you know, they're the three, four that you're always constantly working on. Once you've got that, then the next ones will start to become manifest in your life. The next one is, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. These are people who are quick to forgive, who don't hold a grudge, who don't seek vengeance. Because how easy is it for us to be offended? You know, I get offended that people get offended. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Because this world today, I have not seen it in my lifetime, a world that is so easily offended. Social media is the worst, was the worst disaster that ever came upon this earth because everybody has an opinion. Everybody then said, got the truth. Now the truth is what you say it is. What's that mean? This is when we talk about that true north. We're now, we're not even at magnetic north. I think we're going some. Way, way, way over there. But the problem we have with things like social media and that is that it can rile us up and we can get we can get bitter and we can get twisted. But at the end of the day, the thing about Jesus is he never criticised the sinner. Wow. He never hit the sinner. He, you never see in those four chapters, those four books, him ever criticise a sinner. He lovingly took them on a journey. The people he criticised was the church who should have known better. Yeah. But I see today we're the opposite. We don't challenge the church. We challenge the sinner and say, you need to sort yourselves out instead of looking at ourselves maybe and that we need to sort ourselves out. But he had a love for the sinner. Um, so blessed are the merciful, for they shall have mercy. And that's that, this is the one thing I've learned is that when you don't have mercy, uh, I love that scripture. It says, judge not, lest you be judged. I leave judgment to God, and I just see people as they are. And people are, uh, I often look at them from minus 10 to 10. 
somewhere along there. Zero is where they make a decision for Christ. Our job is just to move them and ourselves that one step closer to 10. We might be at 1.1. That's okay. As long as you're trying to get to 1.2 or even 1.11 if you want to do it incrementally. But, you know, the thing is that we're trying to say is that we should say you should be at 10 when we're still at 6. We should be merciful Very good. and look at each person as an individual made in the image of God that we love them and we care for them and say, how can I help you get to the next increment? Very good. And I think as a church and as a family, that's what we should be doing. You know, I've got a 30-year-old, a 28-year-old, a 26-year-old, and I still, being a parent, still lovingly, you know, but it's a lot easier today than it was when they were four or two. <laughs> Different challenges, but you just see them moving great ways. Have they arrived yet? No. Have I arrived? No. Am I anywhere near 10? No. So as I journey in that life, be merciful, he says. As it says in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us. If you actually want people to call your names, become a police officer, and within 10 minutes you'll know what I'm talking about. Everybody has an opinion about a police officer. You know, we, we get, you should see the stuff that we have to endure. We stand silently and absorb. Can't respond. I think we're the same for us Christians, though. Our job is to lovingly guide, not react. Because then that leads to the next one, which is, Blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God, which is about kindness. Because out of our, pure, sorry, out of our forgiveness will then come kindness. Because one of my, I live by a few sayings, one of them is, hurt people, hurt people. So when people hurt me, first question I'm looking at is not why are they hurting me, I'm looking at what's hurting them which helps me to look beyond the pain and see the, see how I can actually help them. Still working on it, though. It says, Beware of false prophets which come in sheep's clothing, and but, uh, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. He says, A good man out of the treasures of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. So here he says we need to have a pure heart. A pure heart is when we see people as in the image of God, even if they are at minus 10. At minus 10, God still loves them. They could be vile, they could be evil, but it says we should still pray. Regardless of what you think of the government, and I'll tell you privately what I think, but publicly, we pray for the government. Because being a, a commander, I know what it's like to have the weight. And they have an extreme weight upon them to try and make everything work. So our job is not to get caught up in the noise, but to have a pure heart as we navigate our life. And once we have a pure heart, we can then go to the next one, which is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Now, what a, Fancy that one, sons, and I think you'll mean daughters of God as well, but the sons of God, where we are, we see the win-win, always looking for the win-win in every argument. Make an argument into guidance or a discussion, not an argument about a point of view, because the world is full of agendas. You know, uh, 
you know, pro-Trump, no-Trump, um, vaccinate, no-vaccinate, you know, China. I mean, you know, the whole world is in chaos. You know, conspiracy theories galore. How many of them are true? Who knows? But at the end of the day, if you're humbly dependent on God, you don't care because you know that you're in the will of God and that the storm will be the storm. And it does not matter because I'm in the will of God. My job is to bring peace and show the peace that surpasses all understanding. So we see here, follow the peace of all men and holiness without which no man can see God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, no, no, they haven't strung up too many Christians lately in Australia, but in the world today, I've got a couple of um, people that I communicate with in Pakistan, for example. Uh, they, you know, those guys are being persecuted. And when they get persecuted, they're dead. You know, they're, they're, this is, they're, they're, Christians are dying all over the world and being persecuted. It's for us to pray for them. Yeah. But I don't think necessarily the faith, the Christian faith, the Christian faith is being persecuted. It's been written out of our laws. It's been written out of our, our, our statutes. But our job is to lovingly love people even in persecution. It says, be full of faith. When we're attacked by others, they'll hate us because they believe we're self-righteous. They'll hate us because we're happy. We've got joy. They'll hate us because even in the storm, we still have peace. That infuriates people immensely. When everything's falling apart, you can still cope. But what God is saying, that is the light of the world, is that when we're in the storm, we can still smile. We can still know who we are and where we're positioned to be in that, um, uh, in that place. Blessed are those when men revile you and persecute you and shall say all manners of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. And that will come, and I think it has come. You know, you only have to look at uh, the persecution of, say, you know, the building we're in, the hillside, you know, even our own. You know, good men brought down, not brought down, but challenged by false accusers. The amazing thing is God wins all the time. And that's what we've got to remember. God is with us. It, the lie is that when you become a Christian, um, life is going to be better. Okay? But I can tell you this. In the first, the first century church, you had to be a closet Christian for three years before you could be baptized. The reason being, was that if you got baptized, it was a public declaration of your faith. And they wanted to make sure you knew exactly what that meant, that you did not take it lightly. Because by publicly declaring and getting baptized, you were saying, I am no longer uh, to Rome or to, to uh, the Jews, but I'm standing as a Christian where persecution comes. And if you look at history, First three centuries, there was ten major persecutions, but tens of thousands of Christians were killed and martyred. We have to look at our own place and say, what is my purpose? And our purpose is to be a reflector of light, <coughs> particularly in the storm. And if you see a lighthouse, the lighthouse is no good when the weather is fair. Yeah. 
The lighthouse is there in the storm and when it's dark. And we need to be the lighthouse to the world. Yeah. So let's look at that. We need to be humble. You're not humble. That's your first step. Easy. Start reading the Word of God. Start praying. There are two things that bring you to understanding you need God. If you read the Word of God, for example, it's amazing to see the people who stood in faith and how they became victors. And I, when I pray, I go, you did not forsake Joshua when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You never forsook him when he stood in your place and he was with you. Where people fail is when you weren't with you. So my job is to say, and I, I have a chat to God all the time, and I say, God, what right now do I need to change in order to be in the right place? And sometimes I don't like what he says. I don't like what's been revealed in my character or in my person. But that's where we go back to being teachable, the meek. Hunger and thirst after God's will. And that's you personally. And then out of that, you will show amazing forgiveness. You will show amazing kindness. You will be peaceful and you'll be full of faith. 2022, come on, the world does not need the church more than right now. And it calls for all of us as an army of believers, a community of faith. And I'm talking about you as an individual, as a family, as a church, and as the whole church of the world stands, not in the noise of the storm, but full of faith declaring we are the light of the world, showing kindness, love, and compassion. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.